0: Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio.
1: so that was a big cluster so you know what I'm going to go ahead and restart the broadcast so everybody scratch that if you heard the intro music you did not hear that we are going to start from scratch everybody stand by we'll get the show launched out here in one minute so here we go
0: are you tired of being sheep? well so is he get a friend get informed and get involved we Are Not
2: Cattle Radio.
1: Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host and we are officially good to go on this episode, so, man, what a cluster. Sorry about that, everybody. Um, had a little Skype call-in issue, and then, um, anyway, that is all in the past, and now as we move toward the future, it is Tuesday, the 11th day of March 2014. I am your host, Jake Counts, and as I or as I just said, I will be here live for the next hour, and joining me on the line will be Josh Wiley of the Journalistic Revolution, and I think we might have Josh on the line currently. Josh, are you there?
3: We do have Josh. How are you, Jake?
1: I am doing well, sir. Do you not have video this evening?
3: Uh, I do. Hold on. Sorry. For some reason, I'm, I talked about this on your show earlier, I have to turn off and then on my video again for some people to, uh, to get it to work. So you should be seeing me now. I
1: gotcha. All right, we're here we go. And I am um I am recording as I have pretty much lived up to all my pledges as of the start of the new year, trying to add some videos, some better content for the for the listeners out there. And so now we are starting to record. Anytime that I have a guest on the show, I will typically record the podcast, upload the video to the YouTube channel. So be sure to check us out um live in full color. We are not Technicolor anymore. This is not the Wizard of Oz, or is it? That is the one question. So,
3: well, <coughs> go Hey, ahead. Jake, be- sorry, before we uh, dive into uh, all the uh, topics that you want to cover tonight on the show, mm-hmm. um, maybe you could uh, tell your uh, listening audience what we recorded the other day and what's coming down the pike from us.
1: Oh, that was actually on the agenda. But um, any- anyway, last night was the... Well, it was a little bit interrupted, but it was the first night that Josh and I really sat down and tried to succinctly line out the information that he knows, the information that I know, and kind of bridge the two minds together, so to speak, and create a <clears throat> succinct version of, of the Anglo-American establishment. So for people that don't um, – that haven't delved into that side of history, once again, this is the non-coincidental side of history – this is um, this is what we would like to te- I, I guess term as um, planned history or um, what's the best way to describe it, Josh? I guess um, um, staged yeah. history. How about stage? I would
3: say yeah, it's the it's the coincidence model of history versus the uh, what I would term the conspiratorial model of history,
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, and obviously we have our preference uh, based on the fact towards the latter as opposed to the former. And I want to say that I think we did a really good job now that I'm kind of looking at it in the editing room after the fact. I think we did a good job in in melding both of our minds in this effort, not only as creating a primer, uh, because as we kind of outlined in the beginning, it's us looking at the Anglo-American establishment from 25,000 feet, right? It's an overview uh, for for, uh, the topographical uh, terrain you're about to traverse, not necessarily the most specific stuff. But that being said, I think that it's still worth a listen uh, whether or not you are uh, are just coming to this information or if you know a lot about the Anglo-American establishment because I think that we even covered some things that uh, aren't, aren't very well known, right? Absolutely, and we had some
1: interesting angles. Um, just just kind of putting, once again, putting our two minds together, there are, there are angles that, that Josh has thought of that I haven't thought of. And vice versa, and that comes out in the um, in the actual presentation. So it's going to be um, I'm excited about it. It's something new for me because it's you know typically the way that I have the show laid out here, there's not a lot of outline to it. It's um, me talking about current events, um, also talking about things that that I feel are important for people to understand, just about being on this planet and being a, an individual, and and things that we need to. To really harp on as a society, I guess it's more of my point of view, whereas you and I took last night and really did do a, a pretty thorough outline of the topics we wanted to cover. We scratched some stuff, we added some stuff, so we made sure to to basically put out this um, i guess this consensus idea of of our version of history and um, and people that will watch it and listen to it. Well, um, I, I hope we'll find it uh, entertaining and educational at the same time. So, or at least thought provoking at at the very least is what we're going for.
3: Well, if it's not thought provoking, we didn't do our job properly. So, and and that, but that is one thing that we're appreciating over at the journalistic revolution. I'm asking all of our listeners and viewers to please give us constructive feedback on that. So. I mean, I'm sure the same should be said certainly of the "We Are Not Cattle" audience. If you guys watch this video and you like it, uh, then let me know. Let us know, you know, if if you think it's a little bit rough around the edges, which it may very well be because it's our first episode. Right. Then let us know where we can improve. Um, uh, you know, anything. We're we're looking for constructive criticism on all the things that we do because uh, ultimately we do it not. Well, we I guess we kind of do it for ourselves because we're passionate about it, but we do it mostly for you guys who are listening. So.
1: Well, we do it because we we are inspired by people that inspire us, and that's really what it comes down to is the the matriculation of the the information. I don't know if matriculation is the proper term, but uh, the matriculation I'm going to use. I never
3: it. even heard that word. You want to define the grammar for me? Oh, uh, matriculate means to move forward or to advance. Really, I I that's that's a good one. I'm gonna to have to remember that. Yeah. Store that in the uh, in the vocabulary backlog.
1: Yes, and somebody will probably absolutely decimate me and say that I used the the, the verb improperly, but
3: whatever. <laughs> we're we're having fun here. It sounds uh, cool. That's all that matters, right?
1: Right. And so that's the one thing that's uh, different about the podcast that we're running to, you know tonight than what we're doing before is um, you know, not to talk too much about uh, the back of the house kind of stuff, but um, a lot of planning and a lot of um, a lot of forethought went into the episode, so we're both really excited about it. Um, as opposed to what we do here, and that's, um, you know, I don't want to say that we get on here and BS a lot, but we take interesting, interesting facts of information that are in the news and give a different perspective than what you're probably hearing. Because let's face it, anybody can sit on here and read headlines to you and rant and rave, but I think it's very important for, for you to understand that, um, that everybody's version of this experience that they're going through, the human experience, is different. And that's the one thing that I wanted to try to get across is that I understand that my experience is different than yours and yours is different than mine. But at the end of the day we're all going through this journey together and that's where the we are not cattle comes in is that you have the choice and that's what's so great about the world that we live in especially in America and some of foreign countries you don't have a choice. You either get the barrel of the gun or you get to, you know, toe the line and that, and that's pretty much it like in North Korea or in some other you know podunk um not podunk that's a bad word um some some far off refugee um african you know safari hut kind of organization that you're just going to have to live with whatever the the warlord decides is the the law of the day and if you don't live with that then you get the barrel of the gun so
3: well I, and you ahead. know just to just to be specific we're not saying that that same basic societal structure doesn't exist in America, and that it doesn't exist in most of the world. Because I still think that we have our barbarians with guns, and we wow. have people who, uh, you know, who coerce other people into being quiet or not acting mm-hmm. uh, upon some of this information. Mm-hmm. But again, for all the for all the um, uh, the the shit talk we do about America, for lack of a better term, uh, I view personally America. Uh, as uh, Richard Andrew Grove has said on, on a couple of occasions, as an idea mm-hmm. uh, and, and not as a place. And the idea of America was something completely unique to human history, uh, or at least an evolution of all that human history had learned ahead of time. Right. Um, so it's when we talk about it, this is still one of the greater nation-states to be a quote-unquote citizen of sure. in that respect. But we, just, uh, we talk about it, I think I talk about it at least, Jake. I don't want to speak for you because... It's It's very, very sad that such a wonderful idea could be brought down to this kind of basal level. But it is still, as you say, a lot better than uh, most of the world.
1: Right, and and what I guess where my extreme frustration comes in, because I was talking to Jacob Janicki about this last night. We had a very interesting discussion, and I'm going to try to get him on the show. Maybe Thursday I'll get him on the show. I already have um, the gentleman that was with us before, um, Rick, that's going to come back on on Thursday. So hopefully you you might be able to join us on Thursday if you got the time.
3: Yeah, both both really good guys, by the way.
1: Yeah. So just having discussions with with normal everyday people that um, that don't really buy into the status quo and that are trying to to make waves. Um, Jacob brought up a, um, and I don't even want to t- tell the story, but he brought up a philosophy in his. Um, I guess he's taking a psych class, an intro to psych class. Or an advanced psych class, I can't remember. And so he brought up a, a theory, and it kind of blew everybody's mind. And what it was was pure, pure logic and reason, and then rational, you know, rational thoughts behind that. And everybody's like, "Where did you come up with it? How did you get that kind of idea?" And he's like what kind of media do you guys listen to? He's like, this is the kind of chats that we have all the time. Like, what planet are you guys on? And he didn't say it like that, and he wasn't trying to be condescending because people really do want to, I think deep down inside that the, the, what's the best way to describe it? The bread and circus is fun and distracting for a while, and you can buy into it, and you can cozy up to it. It makes it okay. But when things start to change and you see society start to shift, and, and you feel the shift in your own, and the and the shift starts to reflect your your microcosm, as um as Tom Kempel talked about. Once it starts to affect the microcosm, then you start looking at the macrocosm and go, hey, wait, what's going on here? Why is everybody acting like this? What's going on with this? Why is this like this? And so I think that that's where the awaken, the quote unquote awakening process comes in, in the fact that you just get out of your your little your clicks and your your in your um once again your you're just microcosm you're you and your little click that you have established with the people that you interact with so once we get out of that we start seeing the world as a very very different place and the further and further out you expand the the much more um i guess horrific the world becomes and you just have to swallow that with some some sense of um i guess I don't even know how you, you digest it, and I guess that's why people get depressed when they find out the way the world really works. I know it happened to me. I didn't get depressed. I got I got kind of angry. You know, it's kind of like yeah. going through a divorce or something like that where you, 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 you're angry at first and you're frustrated and then you're depressed and then you kind of get over it and then you're like, well, i got to well, do something else. i got to do something about this.
3: Well, what you're talking about is Kubler-Ross's Five Stages of Death and Dying, They're, originally as they were titled, and now it's more, I think, termed... Uh, uh, Kubler-Ross's Five Stages of Grief, right? Sure. So whenever you have some kind of paradigm-shifting event in your life, whether, again, it's a, a death or a divorce or, or uncovering all of this occulted knowledge, yeah, it's, it's a shock. But to, uh, to just kind of highlight what you were, you were just saying, I hope you don't mind, I'm going to read a Bill Hicks quote because it's one of my favorites. Go ahead. Um, the world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real because that's how powerful our minds are. And the ride goes up and down and round and round. It has thrills and chills, and it's very brightly colored, and it's very loud, and it's very fun for a while. And some people have been on the ride a long time, and they begin to question, is this real, or is this just a ride? And other people have remembered, and they come back to us, and they say, hey, don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. And we kill those people. So, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that it, I later I, think which, I love that. Yeah, yeah I, I think I think it's it really sums up what what we're what we're talking about here, Jake. Because when people do have this information introduced into their paradigm, I think you're right. People want to talk about it and they want to express themselves in these ways. Unfortunately, even even if people desire that, uh, they don't have the tools to do it just yet. They don't have the historical context. They don't have the critical thinking skills. For the vast majority of Americans, uh, I think that I would say, uh, you know, strictly emote uh, and they they uh i guess uh uh substitute critical thinking for emotion to the point where an emotional argument is now viewed as a logical argument and uh it's it seems like it's just this small grammatical discrepancy but really this stuff matters so i i think that that's what we try to do at journalistic revolution and that's what you try to do at we are not cattle we try to um to give people these tools uh So that when they go out in public and they meet other people who might have some of these tools, then you can have a discussion about it, and that 's how uh that 's how ideas spread, and that 's how uh they're they're reinforced in the fire of the minds of men, as James H. Billington once said
1: absolutely and then well i'll I'll be perfectly honest with the audience, and anybody that 's listened to me from the jump understands that I went through a format change because I was talking about globalism, the global empire, the new world order, but then I started realizing to myself that I wasn't really affecting change. I wasn't really changing the way that people thought. I wasn't changing their perspective. I was just giving my perspective of the issues that were going on. And a lot of it was based on the things that I've read, the videos that I've watched, the ideas that I've, I've seen somebody else portray. And so I kind of took some of those splices and put them together. And that's fine, but just own the fact that you are using somebody else's ideas and to an extent and then creating a – I guess a message to deliver to the masses, and so what I found myself doing is understanding. Or after I watched, I guess my real um, intellectual awakening process began when I watched um, the. Uh, oh my gosh, hold on. Um, what's the uh, what's the what's the clip with John Taylor Gatto and? Um,
3: oh, the ultimate history lesson. There we go.
1: So when I watched that for the first time, it really started to click with me. Uh, how to make a difference? Because when you watch a teacher talk about how he made a difference, then you kind of substitute yourself and put yourself in that position and go, how could I make my, how can I make a difference? And what I was doing was utilizing the old model of teaching, and that was where I get up I, on my pedestal and I preach and I preach and I preach and I tell people to do stuff and I tell people to get act, tell people to get involved. That's fine. That does, that works on a segment of the population, but some people hear that and they turn off. So what I thought would be a better idea would be to arm people with tools of intellectual self-defense like you and I have talked about before, um, learn the trivia method for myself, practice it regularly, understand how all these things work, why they work the way they do, and and it really does change the dialogue that you can have with someone, and plus you get to – if people are really interested in the information – then they become a messenger for, for knowledge and a messenger for truth. And that's all that I could ever want. I don't want to become popular. I really don't care if I'm popular. I don't care if I have 20 downloads or if I have 5 million downloads. It really doesn't bother me. But what does bother or what what I do and what I am after, I am after change. And I thought that I could make change by going up and holding signs and bullhorning people and telling people to pay attention. That stuff doesn't work currently. Because the system isn't it 's not in a position where you're you 're struggling enough now when you 're struggling enough, people are going to form their little gangs and and you and I both know what 's going to happen at that point we 're going to end up something like the Ukraine where we 're going to have probably soviet funded people coming over here trying to stir up a rebellion. who knows but um but I think the the overarching theme that I was trying to get out here is. It's not about what I think. It's not about what Josh thinks. It's about what you think as the individual. This is your universe. This is your reality that you perceive. Now, does that mean that your reality is different than mine? Absolutely not. But your perception is different than mine, and that I can't take away from you. And what I'm trying to do is get you to pay attention to things that I believe are important. You might think that they're not important for your day-to-day activities, but I believe that they're important and other people do as well. And the people that find this stuff to be important will typically have a, an enlightening process or at least a rekindling of the fire of learning, which is what I've had. And I think that that's what's making me so successful because as of late, I have just been absolutely killing it as far as the downloads go. So thank you, everybody, for spreading the message about the show, spreading the message about what we're trying to do here, and, and more importantly, you know, telling people about it. Because it's one thing to sit in your room and and listen to the podcast, but it's another thing to share the information with somebody else and say, hey, just take a listen to this. This is really good stuff. And it's going to be a little bit entertaining, and we're going to joke around from time to time. But for the most part, we're going to try to hit you in the face with the ugly stick and tell you how the world really is. And that's just the way it goes. Sorry, I I caught you right in the middle of the sip. Sorry about that.
3: Oh, don't sweat it. No, I think that that's that's absolutely true, Uh, all of what you're saying. And I think that you know uh, it's i guess what we're what i'm ultimately trying to say when i come on programs like this uh is that you know we have all these different subjective experiences but using the tools that you're talking about uh being armed with uh, knowing what logical fallacies are knowing the trivium uh then you can at least define objective reality for people right, right. like i'm holding a bottle in my hand right now of of virgil's uh gmo free uh doctor pepper right um, we can all say, we might have a difference of opinion as to whether or not it tastes good or not, but we can all objectively say that this bottle exists and it is full of uh, some kind of liquid at the moment, right? So once we once we kind of get, get on that common playing field, then we can have these discussions. And, and when, we're, when we're talking about media and producing media and sharing it, uh, again, uh, and doing it from passion – when you get into this game, you you do play off of your influences a lot, right? Like right. I know a lot of people come to this information through that through like an Infowars Alex Jones-esque style presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I came to this more through uh, I guess uh, places like Global Research and Andrew Gavin Marshall's work, uh, James Corbett, uh, Richard Grove. So. What I was, at first, was sort of an emulation of these styles that I appreciated, and Mm -hmm. while I still think that this long-winded, kind of more intellectual format is what I want to do, I can at least say now, well, I like what Richard does here, I like what James does here, and uh, now that I've been doing it for, oh, geez, over a year now, Mm -hmm. it's been that long already, I can say... Well, here are the things that I like doing with this, and here's how I would change it. Here's my personal voice. So it's all about finding your voice, and I don't think that anyone should be ashamed or even concerned if their first attempt at this kind of stuff is simply emulation, right? Because at the end of the day, you're still throwing your hat in, your, in the ring. You're still doing something that's far more than any kind of like Facebook activism that you may have been maybe doing right now, may have been doing for years. Um, but you know, once you throw your hat into the ring, you'll get better at it. And, you'll, and, and you'll, you'll get your audience, you'll find your voice, and, you, and you'll find the people that, that want to find your voice. So we, we really should – I'm writing an article on this right now for journalisticrevolution.com, but we really – we should dedicate a show to, to teaching people how to, how to do alternative media at some point, just not about the information, just the technical nitty-gritty, how to make a website, where to go, how to do audio, video, and just point people in the right direction. I don't know about you, but –
1: no, I think that would be very useful in the fight because it is—it is a battle. And un, the one thing that the internet has given us, you know, thank you, thank you, Incutel and other CIA front groups. Thank you very much for setting this up for us. We appreciate it. But I think that um, what the internet has given us is, uh, is at least a fighting chance. And I don't think that they believed that the internet was going to catch on this fast. And I don't think that they believe that. Or maybe they did. Maybe they did it as a way to siphon off all the information and just say that humans are so stupid that they'll just give us all the intel that we that we desire. And I think
3: let's we'll be honest, most of them do. <laughs> no, it's it's very fair. It's
1: very fair to say. And and I don't like to I don't like to belittle the public, but at at some point, you know, they they go through life with with blinders on, which is which is I guess okay. Because it's their life and you know, if I'm a true volunteerist then that's their choice and they get to do that. But when it starts negatively affecting me, that's when I, I have the I have the right to say something.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, when-, when your
1: when your cognitive dissonance starts to affect me, then then I have the right to speak up and you have the right to, to hear me or not hear me, but at, at any rate that's when I get to exercise my right to free speech. Oh, and by the way, we're not recording video because this thing didn't start recording. So don't sweat it. Oh, okay.
3: Well, I I'm I'm recording uh video and audio. So Oh, okay. Great. Don't, don't sweat it. Um well, maybe, yeah, I got I, I got your back, buddy.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe you'll have audio this time. I don't know. I Dude, I think that I have the worst computer on the planet. So if you got By the way, if you'd like to fund the operation and donate to Gearnot Cattle so we could produce better content, Please go to wearenotcattle.net and click the donate button. It is very hard to find. It is right between the um, oh gosh, I think it's it's right in the top right hand corner. It's kind of hiding between the drop down menu and the um, and the YouTube and the Twitter and the and the um, Facebook links. So yeah. sorry for that little plug, but I never plug that. And I would love for you guys to donate to me because this doesn't cost a lot of money, but I would like to get some better tools to create better content for you, and then. Um, Hopefully do. eventually actually
3: well, like, make
1: this something that you would all be proud of to share with everyone.
3: Yeah. And it's like, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I run a website that, that, you know, operates a hundred percent off donations as well. And it's really hard. Uh, and sometimes I know it's hard for people out there too. People are hurting and that's understandable. So if you can't donate, then share this kind of work. But there we if go. you can, if you can donate, donate, even if it's a small amount, right? Like $10 might not seem like a lot, but Hey, that's, that's like a month and a half worth of web hosting. So that's correct that's, that, I mean, it, these little things kind of add up, but um, oh my goodness, and I lost the thought. I was just about to respond to what you were talking about before the donate plug.
1: I'm sorry. I started talking about fiat money and, and trying to get the operation off the ground here, but uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, for everybody that, um, that listens to the show on a regular basis, these last couple of shows that I've been getting to late... I do apologize, but I'm sorry. I've got a 13-week-old child and I have to get in bed and sometimes it's easier than others and sometimes it's not even not even happening at all. So, but uh, bear with me cuz once we get her sleeping through the night, this will be um will be much cleaner on the on the intros. I think I double introed tonight by the way, Josh, which I I think might be a first for me. So, Oh wow. I did intro audio and then they kicked me off of Skype and then so when I got kicked off of Skype, I had to sign back in and then all the Blog Talk Radio um, Skype call-in numbers were full, so I had to go to, like, two other ones. And I got on the show, like, a minute late. But, hey, welcome to live radio, everybody.
3: Seriously. Well, welcome to, um, to, to live radio that's done by individuals and not corporations.
1: <laughs> right. Because I would have had my freaking Lexus in the, uh, in the valet parking about 7.30 this evening. I would have been ready to rock and roll with all my... Makeup on and everything. I, I have to say, I look pretty damn good without makeup on, and so do you.
3: No, well, thank you. I mean, I, think we're, pretty, I think we're pretty. I think we pretty dapper dudes.
1: Um, in my black <laughs> shirt tonight, which I think that that's all my audience thinks that I own is black shirts, but that's pretty much correct. That's okay. I like all the colors in the spectrum. I don't like to discriminate, <laughs> so I, I wear them all at the same time. So anyway, uh, what did, did you um did you rekindle your fire for your for your um thought just a few minutes ago or is that gone no
3: i think i I think i lost it i felt like it was profound but it must not have been too important because it's gone so (laughs) typically the way it goes man okay so what
1: do you want to talk about man i i I sent you a couple ideas of of topics that i wanted to discuss tonight here's
3: i got it back sorry oh
1: man fantastic
3: And I think that this is something that maybe... It wasn't something that you sent me, but maybe it's something that we should talk about. Uh, It was about you saying that the Internet is this great tool of liberation. And we've talked about technocracy on this show a number of times, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I I do want to say that, while it's an excellent tool for liberation, again, as we've talked about many a time, uh, unfortunately, for the most part, people use the Internet to enslave themselves. Sure. Um, But I completely agree with you when... uh, uh, we kind of talk about the history of, of computing development. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really do think that these people uh, are, are these, these elite forces uh, that have funded this kind of uh, computing revolution, either through DARPA or, uh, or ARPANET or the university network system. Uh, really, from the 50s to almost the early 80s, this stuff really was locked away in academia, and it was, this, it was another class of expertology and some very creative people like Steve Wozniak decided to give that to the public. And for a while it wasn't even uh too much of a concern uh for the establishment then because they figured, well, I mean it's great that you can go buy uh uh what's it called what was it called? Um
1: It wasn't an Apple back then.
3: No, and it was even before the uh, the Texas Instruments uh he won. Commodores. Um the, the Altair, the Altair system, right? It's great that you can buy an Altair system, but guess what? You have to code your own operating system. You have to code your own software. You have to be able to run your own software, and it costs fif- $15,000, right? So it's like, and this is $15,000 in 1979 money. Oh. So it's like, yeah, these, com- these personal computers exist, but it doesn't matter because all the knowledge to use them is still locked up in, in our hallowed halls of academia, So so and the dumb masses aren't going to aren't going to be interested in crunching numbers all day. And little did they know, a bunch of very young people Mm -hmm. got really into it and pushed the technology to the forefront and and put it in everyone's hands. You know, even to the point where we've got people like Paul Krugman in the 90s saying that uh, there's not a market for the Internet. The Internet is a fad. It's going nowhere. Right. God, and, I, think and that I
1: was right on so many levels.
3: <laughs> but I do think that this is how people think about the computing revolution, or at least the elites thought about the computing revolution. They thought that it was too hard for us. Sure. And and little did they know, a lot of people would find this stuff really interesting and use these tools against them, which is, again, I think why they've gone out of their way to, to co-opt so many of them. But I don't know. What do you think about that, Jake?
1: I think it's a really good assessment. And, um,
3: and I think that
1: you and I spoke to this at nauseam in the um, in in the two hours that we did yesterday, but I think it's it's a very good point to bring up. I think that the 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 media thought that they were going to have this dominating presence, at least the big six thought they were going to have this dominating presence for eternity. I don't think that they foresaw podcasting. I don't think that they foresaw you know formats with no commercial breaks and you know things things of that nature because. What happens when you get into a long format like this, hell look at the topic for tonight. The topic for the for the show was the the missing plane, uh Congress being upset, or excuse me, the intelligence agency being up or the intelligence, um what is it, oversight committee being upset. Oh, Diane Feinstein's upset, I'm so sad. And then the, the latest in the Ukraine and then the ban on words. So we had all this topics lined up and it was just kind of a, you know, a a grab bag of things. But then you, then you have something that happens like what's happening right now is you get a stream of consciousness and it just kind of takes you someplace and it might not even clash with it. You know, whatever you put on your episode, but it might make for great, for great listening. It might make for great thought translation. It might great for great, you know, points to be made um, through once again, stream of consciousness. And so, I don't think that they saw this coming and and I thought that um I think that podcasting and the the media the way it's produced currently is just going to get um number one it's going to get uh less expensive because people are going to to buy to make better and better products for cheaper and cheaper prices because more people will buy them, and so you'll get um better quality from these podcasts you'll get better uh content I believe, and so the only thing it's going to do is make the the big media moguls more and more obsolete, and I didn't think I don't think that they saw that coming at all. Uh, similar to a company that I used to work for that just sold T ones, and you know a T one was basically originated back in 1954 when it was used to communicate with the military, and they would just run it um, basically connecting to um, to analog lines and and create creating a digital connection with it. So. And then it moved into the 70s, and that's when people started going, oh, my God, I have a T1. I have a, a meg of internet speed. I remember when a meg was fast. And so, you know, that, that – was,
3: that was, I guess that was more uh, like BBS-style connections though, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So what happened was
3: – We're getting real nerdy tonight.
1: Oh, man, just, just bring it out, guys. Just bring out the hat with the propeller on it. We're ready. So – but what happened was the company didn't – they didn't innovate. So they sold T1s. They kept selling T1s. And then, you know, five and seven years ago when people like AT&T started building a fiber infrastructure out, they said, no, 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 we're just going to stick with this. We're just going to stick with this. We think we're going to be okay. And so what happened was, guess what? The company's now up for sale because they didn't innovate. They thought that they were just going to be Johnny on the spot. They were going to have their little niche and they were just going to ride it out. Now, I don't mean to call any names MSNBC. But you guys are going down that exact same pipe because you believe that just because you have fancy studios and fancy sets and million-dollar backers, and you have an agenda to push, and you have people that will fund that agenda, just because you make it bright and shiny that people are going to buy it. Well, guess what's happening? People aren't buying it anymore. People would probably rather listen to Josh and I talk about the history of the Anglo-American establishment than they would listen to Rachel Maddow talk about how sexy Barack Obama is. So, I mean, that's – That's, in essence, what we're up against, and and to be honest with you, that is the biggest paper tiger I've ever seen, except for Fox News, because they have really good-looking chicks. Let's just be honest.
3: (laughs) Well, and yeah, now they move those chicks into primetime, right? I wonder why, huh? Yeah, exactly, because everyone watches Megyn Kelly for the information, right? That's why I stick around for—that's why I watch The Five, too. It's not to look at Kimberly Guilfoyle's legs if I'm—I feel like that's why every uh, 50-plus red-blooded American Republican watches The Five, it's to look at is to look at Dana fucking Perino that white house prostitute piece of garbage and Kimberly fucking Guilfoyle. sorry i just josh hate those broke people i the f
1: bomb uh, i just hate those people minutes.
3: so much that's okay I, I, man. I think that we should throw them uh into the hudson with brick with bricks tied uh, at their feet as we watch their bubbles slowly sink down into the murky nothingness um, as you guys that, can tell josh loves people who sell out to the establishment media but, um, speaking of, but speaking of selling out to the establishment media, sorry, Jake, go ahead.
1: I just wanted to say one thing. Um, the reason I brought that up is because Lee Camp, and, um, Lee Camp and Joe Rogan spent about 20 minutes talking about the girls from Fox News on Joe Rogan's podcast. And it's probably the funniest 20 minutes of hearing people expose the paradigm you have ever heard in your life. So go ahead, man. I'll
3: have to check that out now. please. Do. But I do think that that's something that we should be increasingly uh, considerate of is now that I think we agree that uh, a lot of mainstream outlets did not consider uh, the the ability for us to produce our own media. But now that we're kind of in the thick of it all, we have to consider exactly what kind of co-option goes on within that sphere. Sure. And uh, part of that, I think, are things like Amy Amy Goodman's Democracy Now!, which is a Rockefeller Carnegie Foundation-funded alternative media website. We've got now... uh, Glenn Greenwald and uh, Jeremy Scahill teaming up to launch their uh, all, "quote unquote" alternative news website, but it's it's backed by Peter Omidyar, who's the co-founder of PayPal, has intimate NSA connections, and it's sure. essentially blood money that is directly in conflict with the things that that Greenwald is supposed supposedly has to report on. So now that we kind of see the creation of this alternative media. There's going to be a, there already is an equally as fervent kind of uh, backdoor funding of certain alternative media outlets to, to to muddy the waters quite deliberately.
1: But do you think Mockingbird they, Part Two? I know, but and that was going to be my question. Like the the thing about Snowden, I've I've heard the I've heard some of the justifications. I actually listened to um I listened to the majority of actually I listened to all of it of uh, John Rappaport's breakdown of who Snowden was and and how all this stuff came about. So I guess the Uh,
3: question... Wait, before we go on, you're referring to the internal NSA-CIA kind of intelligence war theory, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: And I guess the question would be, since all these revelations that Snowden quote-unquote brought to the surface, which were brought by William Benny and Thomas Draker and other whistleblowers from the NSA... Is is this an is this like a, a a gaslighting of the public to see how they'll react? Is to show them the information, and then just say this is what we're doing. Let's see what they do. I mean, is well, that I, the point where we're at here in the American populace? Is that your government just gaslights you and says, here's what we're doing to you. What do you think? And everybody's like, well, I mean, they are. You know, they got all the guns.
3: I think that's part of it. So if we look at, for example, something like Operation Midnight Climax, which totally is the CIA off topic, program.
1: by the way, everybody enjoy. Here we go.
3: No, no, we're tying it all back together. So don't, look at, I don't
1: care, man. Let's roll with it.
3: Look, look at Operation Midnight Climax, where, uh, you know, we've got the CIA giving lsd to johns but also experimenting on prostitutes to see whether or not they can create kind of jekyll hyde personalities right? right so even though the project is openly about lsd research there's a second angle that's going on right right so if we look at the snowden angle and we view it wasn't as the same thing
1: wasn't the same thing also done for for parts of the mk ultra project where they would
3: well Operation Midnight Climax is an MK Ultra subproject. So yeah, all these MKUltra Ultra subprojects have um, okay. have have kind of varying uh, angles that they're presented from. Is the from, only or...
1: one with the propeller big enough to know the actual names of the subprojects?
3: Uh, I what is that one? No, all I know is Subproject 58 was uh, R. Gordon Watson Subproject. Okay. I forget all. I forget all the headliners. I'm not. I'm not that uh, encyclopedic. Okay. Um, we'll have to. But,
1: but break the propeller a little bit. All right. Keep going. Yeah.
3: But so we look at that, and there's two different angles. And if we view the Snowden story, excuse me, as as a psyop, which you know, for the sake of this argument, we will. Um, and we view one angle of it as this kind of revelation of the method, where uh, they're kind of telling you what they're up to, because that's happening all over the place now, and for the most part. There are a lot of people that are upset with it, but most people are kind of either okay with it or, or tacitly uh, accept I would, it. or, I would or say even indifferent.
1: Don't, I would say indifferent yeah, is probably the best.
3: Or, or, or even don't know about it, even if it's on mainstream news, right? And the American people are that kind of uh, out of the loop at this point. But if we look at that being one angle, then it's we kind of have to examine other potential angles. And I think one of them is certainly that... Uh, it's not about the information and, quite frankly, hasn't been about the information since at least two weeks after the, the initial breaking of the story. It's about this demigod figure, Edward Snowden. Mm-hmm. Edward Snowden gave a speech at South by Southwest saying that the American government sucks. Edward Snowden moved to Russia. Edward Snowden is Carmen Sandiego fucking globetrotting around and nobody can find him right like the story is about this celebrity and it's not about the information and we don't even have the information because he gave it to two people and 99 percent of those documents still have not been released and given that one of those two people works for the new york times uh obviously a slime bag institution and the other now works for peter omidyar mr nsa paypal himself i don't think we're going to get that information and the fact that edward snowden doesn't seem to give a damn about that fact uh to me it, it's just it, it couldn't be more obvious that this is uh that this is a psychological operation of of drastic proportions
1: i would tend to agree with you and imagine that me taking the the um the devil's advocate approach imagine <laughs> that so anyway um and you're at your f bomb limit right now of 3 you get 3 f bombs per episode so right, you're oh my at my f limit
3: oh my goodness is is blog talk radio f c c uh regulated
1: no, but I like to regulate myself because i I think that it takes away from the content sometimes but if it's oh. in, but if it's in a, if it's in an emotional fervor like yours was, that is completely acceptable because sometimes the words just pop in and out of there that's just the yeah. way it, well
3: see for example, my podcast uh Mind the control at JournalisticRevolution.com dot com is listed in iTunes as a, as a higher education format, right? So it's very heady stuff, but all of my episodes are also tag- tagged as explicit, so...
1: <laughs> oh, very nice. Well, right. you might have to make this explicit, but then, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to exclude everybody from the information, because if I have somebody with a kid listening, and then we start blasting F-bombs across the world, then um, not to bang on you or anything, man, but anyway... Yeah, we'll just leave that at that. All right, so we're done with that. We're done with Josh F-Bombs. You get three an episode, man. Just let me know if you're going to launch them, and then I can make sure that we're an explicit tagline, or I can let people know up front, hey, everybody, Josh has been drinking the non-GMO root beer. Get ready for some F-Bombs. So
3: Root beer and F-Bombs. That's what happens with root beer? <laughs> absolutely. I, 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 I mean, that's what I've seen from you. That's you just, my evidence. You've you got to be like the Stalinist, man. you got to give, uh, like, give me my ration at the beginning of the month so I know how to budget it, right?
1: Oh, there we go. See, that's the trick. That's the trick. Get that welfare check at the beginning of the month. Now, that was um, that was another interesting conversation that we were talking about um last night, and uh, I kind of took Jacob down the rabbit hole, and I think that people should do this because this is something that I did for myself, um, and it, it really does help. I don't know why. It helps to sit in a dark room and think about this kind of stuff. But if you're up at night by yourself and you're watching some absolutely garbage crap on television. Turn the TV off and sit there and think about these things to yourself. If you are going to conquer the world with a small group of people, how would you do it? What would you do? What would you need? I think that's the first question that you would need. And number one, you would need some kind of – well, I don't even want to give people ideas. You guys think about that. That's a homework assignment. And then next Tuesday on my Tuesday show, we'll do a breakdown of what I think that you would need – in order to run the world by yourself or with a small group of people. And then let's see where we are as we are in this current state that we live in. And let's see how close it is and see how feasible it is because we know the points. We know the players. We know the alphabet soup. We know the, the CIA, the FBI. And some people don't know the origins of it, and we'll talk. you can go check out our podcast about that. And also, our next podcast, Josh, which I'm really excited about, basically because I came up with the title, and then I'm going to have, we're going to have to figure out how to fill it. But it's called it's, – the title is called America, and I think we should spell it with a K. America, Building a Brand of Tyranny. Because people, as Aldous Huxley said, people will grow to love their servitude. Some of them will actually embrace it. So anyway – not to, get too, uh, not to get too esoteric on, on all this stuff, but um, let's talk about here. Let's talk about one topic that I have here. We've got 15 minutes, and this is the one topic that I really wanted to hit because it shows what's going on in society where you now have the, the priest class they are dictating to us what we can and can't say and what's offensive and what's not offensive. We don't have free speech anymore. You don't have the ability to say words that aren't cleared by the priest class. You have to speak in this concise little box. And for those of you that are playing the home game, yes, this is Soviet Russia around uh, 1925, somewhere around there, where they started restricting almost everything. And they were talking about how they were going to build space shuttles and go to the moon. And then they were like, oh, we probably need to go start a war with some people. Actually, go finish this war. But anyway, I want to touch on this really quick, Josh, and then get your take on it. Okay, I'm actually just going to play the, the clip because I actually like this guy. One of the, one of the guys from, um, from Alex Jones's Infowars, Paul Joseph Watson. I, I wish I could get him on my show, but I'm sure he's got some kind of contract, which was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in my life. I tried to get um, uh, the guy from uh, Natural News on my, um, on my Anthony show. Anthony Gucciardi. Not Anthony Gucciardi, the other guy, the guy that runs it. Oh, okay. So I tried to get him on my show, and they're like, no, he only does Alex Jones. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Interesting. <laughs> so you just only go here, huh? That's all right. I would like to get Anthony Gucciardi on. That guy's got a he, – he would make for great banter with us.
3: Yeah, I mean, if anyone has a, a – I guess an NDA wouldn't be the right term, but an exclusive – broadcasting contract. uh, I think Anthony Gucciardi would be the guy, though. Yeah, that's right. To have sort of a similar setup.
1: I I would assume so. All right. so here is um, Paul Joseph Watson. I would really love to get him on, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Hell, I'll just tweet him and see what happens. Alright, so um, here's what happens, and here's his report that he did for InfoWars, and it's about um, five minutes, so this will give us about seven minutes to talk about this topic. And we can do, like, five minutes of overdrive if we have to, or Overtime, or whatever the hell you guys want to call it, and that'll all be taped to air. So um, enjoy, everybody. Here's the clip.
0: Control freak feminists are trying to police language by banning the word bossy. matter. Let's just ban the word bossy. Join us to ban bossy. That's right. This is not a satire. This is an actual campaign being run by a group called LeanIn.org, which seeks to ban the word bossy because they claim it discourages young girls from being assertive and ambitious, preventing them from becoming leaders. So instead of simply encouraging young girls to be ambitious, feminists want to ban actual words, thereby turning entire groups of people into sexist thought criminals for merely uttering the word bossy. Taking a page straight out of George Orwell's 1984 in which the fictional language newspeak was created to restrict the expressiveness of the English language and eliminate personal thought. As I documented in my video, The Truth About Feminism, feminists rarely, if ever, take on genuine women's rights causes, such as the recent characterization of female drivers in Saudi Arabia as potential terrorists. They rarely ever take on those real issues And they focus on the minutiae of policing thought and language. And that's because feminism, or at least second wave feminism, is wholly controlled by the elite and it's used to push cultural Marxism. Cultural Marxism holds that oppression comes from within the culture and the language rather than the state, therefore absolving the state of blame for any form of oppression. And that's why the state, that's why the elite, loves to control and use feminism in order to crush freedom, free speech, free thought, in the name of protecting women's rights. Which is why every time you look into these feminist campaigns and causes, and this one's received worldwide attention today, they are never grassroots, organic campaigns. They always come from the top down, because the state, the establishment, controls second-wave feminism. So who's behind this program to ban the word bossy? Well, you go to leanin.org's partners page, and it's basically PR firms, transnational corporations, and banks. Here we see GlaxoSmithKline, General Motors, Google Hill & Knowlton, Morgan Stanley, Nestle, Bank of America, AOL, Booz Allen Hamilton, Brown Brothers (laughs) Harriman, oil companies like Chevron, Citibank, Comcast, General Electric, Pfizer, Visa, Walmart, Wells Fargo. It goes on and on and on. And isn't it interesting that this campaign to ban the word bossy is being supported by numerous entertainment industry giants, including Sony, with whom Beyonce is signed, as was for many years her husband, Jay-Z. And isn't it fascinating that while everybody's wringing their hands over the offensiveness of the word bossy, (laughs) those same entertainment industry giants that are sponsoring this campaign are not similarly concerned about the very music that they release from the likes of Jay-Z and numerous other hip-hop artists with whom he's worked, who in a vast majority of their songs refer to women as sluts, hoes, whores, bitches, you name it. There's no concern about that, no, no, no. The real problem is the word bossy. So here's a newsflash for you feminists out there who have bought into this. Major transnational corporations, banks, oil companies, PR firms, media corporations, do not care about women's rights. Look at Chevron, look at Hill and Knowlton, look at Wells Fargo. How many of the CEOs of these corporations and banks are women? They don't give a shit about women's rights. So why do they support these programs? Well, obviously to make themselves look good on the one hand, but also because they're part of this establishment that seeks to continually push top-down feminism as a facet of cultural Marxism, blaming sexism, blaming patriarchal society blaming oppression on the language, on the culture, therefore on the middle class, thereby absolving the state of blame for all forms of genuine, real oppression. Freedom and opportunity cannot be accomplished by banning words and policing language. I mean, what are we going to start doing next? Burning books that are seen as sexist or advancing a patriarchal society? Here's a better idea than banning the word bossy. Let's shun the kind of control freaks that hide behind women's rights causes in order to police language and oppress the free speech of everybody. This is Paul Joseph Watson reporting for Infowars.com.
1: So there you go, man.
0: That guy does some really, really
1: good work over there. And he gets oh, it. he's geez. a political science major, so he understands the the cultural Marxism as. Uh, Angle, which I think is is fascinating. So, you know, get people to police themselves, and then the state can pretty much absolve themselves from saying, "Well, we didn't do this to you. You guys have chosen to do this. This is what you chose to do because this is what's better for society." Because yeah. if, the, if if the government's not leaning in on you and saying that we we want you to do this, then it's a, then it's your choice, even though societal pressures would make you think otherwise.
3: Well, I, I got to say, like, from Paul Joseph Watson's perspective, and even people like Melissa Melton, or um, who's the other guy who worked for uh, for InfoWars for a period of time, Aaron Dykes, who all these people, you know, have university degrees kind of in these varying topics. I'm really glad that i Figured out what was going on in the world uh, before I paid these people too much money. Uh, I was a dual poli sci history major at the University of Michigan, which, uh, if you've done any research on uh, MKUltra subprojects as we talked about earlier, you'll find that the University of Michigan is not a very friendly place to be, and they've done a lot of horrible, horrible things to uh, to innocent people over the years. So I couldn't give my money to them either uh, anymore. Isn't uh,
1: that a university would partner with government and private corporations to run. I know sanctioned it's the insane, Americans right? The American people. That's a, it's
3: nuts.
1: That's a very nice uh, mermaid you got there on your um, on your mug, Josh.
3: Wait, you don't like uh, my uh, uh, my uh, oh, what's her name? What's the goddess?
1: Come on, dude. Are we gonna play this I'm, game?
3: I'm blanking on my corporate symbolism.
1: All right, we're moving on. We're moving. Don't
3: drink Starbucks is our point. Um, <laughs> but okay. even even if it's the secret menu. Uh, but uh, well, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, on on this on this note, I think that these people are are, are excellent researchers, and I'm glad that they've kind of maintained their faculties through all of this uh, all all of this propaganda. Sure. But you know, I I also think that, that should be that should by no means uh, imply that you know you can't get in on this game as well. You don't need a fancy degree, Mm -hmm. nor should you have to have one to talk about any of this stuff. Uh, But the the main point I wanted to make, I guess, is that it doesn't matter how many nice words are scribbled on pieces of paper hundreds of years ago if all of the outlets that control your ability to share information ban your ability to share it, right? Correct. So, yeah, this... Exactly, exactly. well, and and Newspeak, you know in in Orwell's nineteen eighty four, there were no laws per se. Mm. Uh, it was it was just kind of this, this uh, forced. yeah, this unspoken uh, rule that everybody had to follow or or else they were silenced. you know, North Korea, uh, as, as is a great example, has in its constitution your right to free speech, your right to freedom of assembly, your your right to all sorts of things. Uh, But it doesn't matter if none of those things are in effect because the enforcement mechanism uh, does not uh, apply them. So in our society, uh, our enforcement mechanism to a certain extent is the state. But it's also these uh, these pseudo non-state actors like Comcast and Sony Mm -hmm. uh, who control a lot of our popular culture. And not only that, but what we're allowed to say in pop culture, Mm -hmm. pop culture could can can and has in the past in humanity been a force for good. Right. It's not inherently evil. Uh, I don't think that anyone would say that I don't know, someone like uh Arlo or Woody Guthrie was uh evil. He's mm-hmm. preaching uh preaching what was happening uh during the times, right? But we're not that's not where we live anymore.
1: Okay, um I'm looking for this one other clip. So, um but it basically talks about God, I really gotta find it.
3: Oh, you were giving me the keep going. I thought that yeah, was the wrap yeah, it up. You know, I mean come on, dude, we're it dude we're, nonverbal nonverbal communication is hard sometimes, right? Like that one? That's a good that, that one's always clear. <laughs> good. But it you know, like even even it's I, I think it's great that we can Skype like this mm-hmm. and we can see each other's face so we can kinda read the inflection. Sure. it's even harder when you can't see people. Oh, um into that. But, but we uh yeah, we still have to work out those kinks as well. I'm we got to get our mirror neurons working better, Jake.
1: Yeah, I know. I took some DMAE before the show, just to let you know, about half an hour before the show, so I'm actually feeling kind of primo right here, other than the fact that I kind of bobbled the very beginning of the broadcast. I think we've done a pretty decent job. I am really looking for this video, and it's going to drive me crazy. So I'm going to have to go to the NSA search engine and find out if they can find it for me. So stand by. Yeah. Um, hey, why don't you tell people um, – uh, give people an idea of when they can expect to see – this uh, not to put a rush on it or anything give an idea of when they can expect to see this uh work that we've been talking about all night
3: oh my goodness so i'm planning on staying up all night tonight to uh edit this so uh wednesday at the earliest probably friday at the latest it will be out um again that's going to be uh one step beyond the first episode in our video series uh and it's also i've been waiting to release my second episode of my podcast uh entitled mind the control which you can find again on journalisticrevolution.com we're uh on stitcher we're in the itunes store obviously it's all free um but that our uh, our talk is also going to be uh, a big part of that second episode of the series on the cia the first episode was a five and a half hour primer uh on the cia and this is kind of going to be pulling the curtains back and uh letting you know who's uh who's Operating behind the scenes uh, on on that subject.
1: Okay, this is from I found it. This is from Pat Dollard. I don't know who he is, but
3: he, Re- any relation to Eric Dollard?
1: I don't think so. But this is a uh,
3: this is a guy at the
1: at the Democratic National Convention interviewing people and asking them what they how much of Obama's opposition are just people that are racist. So this is two minutes, and then um, yeah, we are gonna do. We are going to do five minutes of overtime. So um, everybody, if this is the end of the live transmission, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check out my website, wearenotcattle.net. Look for new content this weekend. I will have a plethora of it going up. Also, check out my YouTube channel. Please subscribe to it. We are not cattle TV, and follow me on Twitter. We are not cattle. The number one. Uh, Josh, give out your stuff, and then um, we will go to tape to air.
3: Yeah, uh, my website is journalisticrevolution.com. Again, all one word, obviously, it's the URL. Uh, And we do a radio show. We put out articles on a fairly regular basis. But I'm personally really excited about the podcast series, Mind the Control, and the video series that I'm doing with Jake, uh, One Step Beyond. Again, One Step Beyond will be out uh, within the next couple of days. And Mind the Control, uh, you can already subscribe to. So please check it out.
1: Yep, and subscribe to me on iTunes as well. And also, we are going to run a special show here in a couple of weeks where I take the globalist standpoint and Josh takes our standpoint, which will be fun. All right, so here we go. So here is, um, for those of you that actually got to listen to the downloaded version, we are now in overtime. And here is why Josh and I are all racists.
2: There's been a lot of talk, especially on the Democratic-Liberal side, about the of the opposition to President Obama, not being about his policies, but being about his color, his race. Do you see that as a big problem? If you had to look at the opposition to President Obama, what percentage would you say is about his race, and what percentage would you say is about... Honest disagreement with his policy. wait, that's,
1: that's
2: a good question. I was just thinking, I, to me, in 2010, the Republican infighting
3: took a particularly dangerous tone because it wasn't just about infighting anymore. It was about taking our country back with the resurrection of the Tea Party, and it was yeah. very, very racial.
2: There's been a lot of accusations thrown out there about the Tea Party, that there there's a lot of racial animosity towards President Obama. If you had to put a percentage on it, how much of the opposition to this president would you say is based on issues and how much of it would you say is based on race?
0: I think it's
2: about equal. About equal? 50-50? Yep. Wow, that's that's pretty high. Are we talking 50-50? Are we talking...
0: I think it's over 50
2: not in any studies, obviously, that some of this Tea Party anger is racist. Maybe 30%, 40%? Wow, so 30%, 40% who who don't like him just because of his, his race. Wow. But, but tenor and tone of the method of which people address the president.
1: Hello. I think we got the Aussie for you there, Josh. Okay, so... um job here.
3: Yeah, but I think you got the, the yeah, gist of pretty, it, man.
1: Pretty sure you got the gist of it. It's um, it's very. And this
3: is from 2008 or 2012.
1: This was uh, the other day.
3: Oh, at the, at the current Democratic National Correct. Center. Yeah, I probably. Or should. Democratic? Is it the? De- oh, I guess this is an election year. That's what happens when you don't pay attention to politics, people. Nah,
1: we don't really care. Wait a minute, I, I was just checking my checking my stream right there, and I was like, wait, why am I not recording stuff? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's Obama, Oh, there we go. Uh,
2: obviously, as an African-American, did you know the Tea Party was, was here the other day oh. for their fifth anniversary, their fifth birthday party?
0: I care not to take about
1: it. Oh, you care not to. I'm not going to
2: just, just talk about tea Party. I think there's a string of racism, of people i people.
3: President, even right. before, yeah. I mean, Tea Party is a new name that we put on Southern conservatives. Now we never used to call the Southern hardline, borderline neo-Confederate part of the Republican Party that special. Not the name you gave them, but okay. Yes, no, no,
1: no, that's fine. That's what we call them.
0: But nobody uh, said anything about him. You know, he could be Jesus Christ incarnate. Mm. You don't and think so?
3: I know.
2: I know not. Oh really? So, uh, you're yeah, talking you know about George W. Bush? In my opinion, I think you could read, though, right? Barry. You can read, though, right? A little bit. A little bit. I think you have to to be to be a DNC uh, committee woman.
1: Oh my God! Enjoy everybody. Hey, party politics, nothing like it. Get your racism here. Get your racism.
3: Yeah, and I mean, this is actually a personal conversation I had with uh, a member of the journalistic revolution on the back side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about race as it relates to some of the, the Trayvon Martin issues and things like that. And he said one of the things that just grinds my gears more than anything else, and that's uh, I don't see color, which is fucking bullshit. Excuse me. I guess we're in overdrive now. Yes, but yep, it, it is.
1: Have, you have
3: the repriever. <laughs> but but it, it's uh, it's freaking bullcrap. Um, no, he's
1: already broken it, dude. I mean, it just uh, go ahead and let it rip. I mean, you've already whatever. broken it go for the back side.
3: I just uh I I can't uh, because it's 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 fundamentally untrue. Everyone sees race and everyone sees color. It's about acknowledging uh the, this kind of shared cultural history that certain people have and other people don't have uh and being able to understand each other based on those memes because uh, again, it, to say that you don't see it is a complete and utter lie. You're lying to yourself. Um, and it's uh and it's it's one thing to fall into this divide and conquer methodology and it's very kind of uh inspiring to say or to promote the meme
1: yeah i don't i just don't see race but you do i think that that's what they they feel like they they're supposed to say you know i think that goes back into conditioning and and the ideas that um, well just say what's politically correct and to,
3: to me uh, sorry to interrupt you but to me when somebody says i don't see race what that really means is I ignore a great deal of your cultural and and historical heritage, mm-hmm. uh, which is equally as bad as, in my opinion, being a racist. I think that I
1: think that they take it at a softer at a softer tone and just try to think of each person as an individual and each person as a human being. But to, to say that you don't understand pigmentation and to understand you know melanin and stuff like that, I, I think is. Um, you know, I don't want to I don't want to badmouth anybody cuz that's their opinion and and I I understand conceptually where they're going. I think it was just poor word choice for the most part. I mean, if you say you don't see race, then obviously you can't see. But anyway, I don't want I don't want to belittle that point because the the point I was trying to make is that is that party politics will always be like this. This will always be party politics, people. This is why the political realm is not the place to change things. Because guess what? No matter how much money we think we have as a group, as a collective to fund all these Kickstarter campaigns and do all these things and try to get real people elected, you always end up with somebody like a Rand Paul. That's not somebody that you would really call a libertarian. That's not somebody that you would see as an enemy of the state. You would see him or the enemy of the status quo, which is what we need. You see him as somebody that's going to be kind of the soft power of the status quo. And then I I, I don't know. I, I really don't understand how we get out of this mess. People are talking about, um, what is it, Bernie Sanders running for, running for president also. So it's just like – and he's going to run as a Democrat. But, I mean, that would solve a lot of the corporate problems, but then – we're still for welfare and stuff, man. I mean, I can't, I can't get on board with that. I mean, I can't have a dependence class here to destroy the middle class on record just like it's freaking medieval London. I really can't. I mean, if you don't learn from history and, and people are going to say, well, you don't care about these people. No, no, no. We can find a way. See, this is what's so amazing is that human beings want to cop out to the easiest thing to do. The easiest thing to do would be to cop out to me and said, well, you don't care about them. Well, here's a good question for you. Here's a really good question. It would take – Lee Camp did a um, – he talked about this on, um, uh, on RT – with um what's her name like the girl that got fired but the the other girl that actually does good journalistic work the one that got yelled at by rand paul and got put into a room abby martin there we go no that's another rand paul moment for you rand paul's a great guy yeah he just had his thugs put this chick in a room and said if you ever do that stuff again we're going to take your tape from you and probably you're never going to see the light of day again she was really freaked out so anyway side issue for that but um Oh my God! Where was I going? I got kind of scrambled there. I got really fed up with the with a Rand Paul idea. Um,
3: yeah, no, but I, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, if you say that you oh. don't see this, if you say you don't see this stuff, and you don't know about the history or the or the the connotations that it drudges up, then uh, you need to do your homework.
1: Mhm. And so where I was going was, um, they said that, and and I love that um, that people from the uh, the other perspective, I don't want to call them left and right anymore, I just want to call them the other perspective. People from the other perspective think that the Koch brothers are behind every nook and cranny on the planet. And then, of course, people from our perspective want to think that George Soros is behind every nook and cranny on the planet. Which, he's behind a lot of them, and so are the Koch brothers. But and
3: they're both still paycheck players.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So it's not like you're really looking at the head of the Hydra, you're looking at like the toenail of it. But the one thing that I would say is that when you run into a situation where it's, well, we need to solve, you know, how are we going to take care of these people? Well, here's a good question for you. How much would it cost to solve world hunger? It's a couple billion dollars, right? You know? And so you have all these people with all this magic wealth, right? The Koch brothers, George Soros, um, I mean, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds. Do you think that they really cared about society, that they could make that happen? And if they don't make that happen, what does that say about them? What does that tell you? And that's the only thing that you have to think. You don't have to get past that. You really care about it because these are people that you're on the street with every day. They don't give two you-know-what's about it because they're in some kind of gated community with armed bodyguards and all this other stuff, and they don't care. So once again, I think it really comes down to what you and I talked about last night. It's the priest class. And that's what it is, the priest class against the population. And what they do is they keep us entertained. They keep us infighting with one another. They give us false gods. They give us false prophets. They even lie to our face now. They have a president that can write his own bill, and nobody cares. And then if you challenge it, you're racist. I mean, what in the hell kind of planet am I on? If George Bush would have said, you know what? We're not going to invade Iraq. We're going to invade Russia. I'm taking an executive order and we're just going to rewrite this plan and we're just going to go invade Russia. Everybody would lose their mind. But if Barack Obama rewrites his own bill four or five times and then goes on Zach Galifianakis' show, everything's fine. He's all, you know, he's a popular president. And I think that we really are seeing the president turn into something that I never thought it would be, and that is a – almost like an emperor type figure to where they, they have all this fanfare and this lust over them and it just it, it gets really sick it's not what it's supposed to be about like you said i guess this brings us full circle america is an idea everyone it was oh, it's a, it's a good
3: place to to wrap it up yeah i think just, I, I think i think you're uh, that was a great monologue jake i i appreciated listening to it shut up dude No, I wasn't even being facetious. I was was being serious. Well, I appreciate that because that's
1: that's really where we're at. We're full circle. America is a great idea, and we should rekindle that idea and at least try to implement some portions of it. Which, Josh, to let you know, uh, Ben Swan reported today that um, Oklahoma State Senate passed a law that would legalize gold and silver to be used as legal tender. So... So are they trying to which is a is a brilliant idea I was never even thinking of this. We could actually nullify the Fed
3: Yeah, on a local level, not this sure. national not this national game that people are playing and i I, I truly don't think that even, even though I am a, a staunch advocate of almost all alternative currencies, I think some are better than others for certain things. Mm-hmm. but you know if we get it, if we start playing this game, would I love to have my gold mm-hmm. and silver? Uh, Have purchasing power uh, at a local store for some kind of horrible contingency? Absolutely. Um, But I think that we should be more open about legalizing uh, all alternative currencies as opposed to uh, to, uh, just... And and this is something that can be done on an individual level, though, right? It's up to the shop to decide whether or not they want to accept your silver coins or or, uh, set up a Bitcoin kiosk. Uh, to to pay with or or install BitPay or something like that, right? These are these are individual decisions, and it's really sad that we live in a world where we have to use the gun of the state to tell people uh, how to fix their problems.
1: Right, but that's why we created the show was to give people the information, the knowledge, and the know-how to pull themselves out of this and and um and form your own reality and and drive it the way that you see fit. But if you're listening to the show, obviously you love freedom and you love our perspective on freedom. And the one thing that I would say is that um, the more laws that you write, the less free you are, and that's just the bottom line. So, um, that's great. thanks for joining me, Josh, on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. I think it's a good place to leave off again. And um, we got our plugs in before the end of the gun, so that's pretty cool. Um, no pun intended, yeah. obviously, with the gun of the state. But um, yeah. thanks so much for having me, Jake. Absolutely, as and yeah. And um, tune in Thursday. We're going to have Rick's. Sh- I'm going to butcher butcher his name. I I can't remember. Last time he was on here, we had a fascinating conversation, so he'll be back again on Thursday. Hopefully, he'll be able to get Jacob back on. If he's listening to the show, he's going to hear his name two or three times, so he's going to be almost coerced into coming on, which I like that. And then, um, Josh, if you're available, I'd love to do the show with you, but uh, look for the show that Josh and I are going to do here in the future. We haven't ironed out a date of it. But um, one of my personality traits is to take the devil's advocate side, so I can typically argue both sides of the story. Not that I'm Newt Gingrich or anything like that, but I can probably do a... um,
3: I've never heard you advocate for a moon base,
1: so... I think it would actually be pretty damn cool. The one-way ticket to Mars sounds like a bunch of bunkists, but I'll, I'll take a moon base. It seems like I can get there and back in like a weekend. Maybe. That's true. That's true.
3: <laughs> got that Van Allen radiation belt to deal with. I still don't know how they did it the first time around, but <laughs> oh, worry, about, worry about little
1: meteors flying around the crust of that can crush that space shuttle in no time. Don't even worry about that.
3: That doesn't even space happen. junk now too.
1: Oh, come on, man. Just because Russia's got a few more satellites up there, North Korea's gonna launch a couple of other dud missiles up there it doesn't mean anything. Alright, so anyway, that's enough for the show tonight, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us that will be probably one of the fun podcasts that we will promote heavily because it will be me taking the side of the, the global insurrection and why people need to be slaves to protect themselves. So that will be a fun one. So thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to share the podcast with people you know, people you like, and people you love. And that will do it for us, and we are going to go out, as usual, with our little freedom song. Thanks for listening, everybody.
2: we